DJ and PK, time now to talk NBA basketball and jazz basketball with Sarah Todd from the Deseret News. Sarah joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Sarah, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? It is going well. How's it going for you? It's great. It's, um, we're really close to actually having NBA basketball back, which is, it sounds crazy. I feel like that was never actually going to happen, so it's good. It's close. I still feel like something could go wrong and mess it up, but it is getting close. And the team's now in Florida, so, so that is a step forward. How, uh, how excited do you think the guys are and how uh, reticent do you think they are? How worried do you think they're not focused on the basketball because all the other stuff uh, is so overwhelming? What do you think the mix is there? Probably today they're probably feeling more of the reticence and a little bit of you know tempered expectations because the first two days that they're down there, uh, they have to be quarantined and isolated completely to their rooms and they're not allowed to leave because they have to have... Uh, they had to return two negative COVID-19 tests before training camps and practices can really begin. And so right now, that when they are not allowed to like go outside and do anything, they have to stay in their hotel rooms. It's probably feeling like really alone and really isolating. I'm like, oh, this is much different than anything that we've ever done before. Uh, I think once they actually get on the court and they're allowed to be around each other, they can finally play five-on-five basketball, which they haven't been able to do since March. I think that's when they're going to start feeling really excited. And these guys really miss basketball. So I think that that'll take over any reticence that they have. I know the NBA has some in-house people that are going to do some media. But what is being allowed for folks like you who are not being paid by the NBA as far as coverage? So they're going to have uh, a couple different uh, groups that they have down there. The first group, which... Uh, it's really expensive, and you have to commit to being there for the entire time. Um, is going to be like a really small group of like ten journalists or reporters that are going to be inside the bubble with the players. They'll be tested every day. They'll um, get the same you know meal service that the players are getting. They have to follow all the same rules, um, but they still won't be able to. Uh, do a ton of like one-on-one interviews. A lot of what's going to happen is going to be done via video and um, uh, by Zoom, which has become a part of all of our lives and will be forever, I'm sure now. Um, so that's going to be like the in-bubble journalist. Like I said, there's going to be like 10 of those. I don't know who they are and I don't know what it's going to be like. And then there's going to be a second group who you'll stay in your own hotel and have your own accommodations and you won't be tested daily. Um, but you'll still be able to go to the arenas and be present for the games. Um, and I think that that's the group that there's quite a few journalists that are actually going to be able to be there. I think that's the one that I'll probably be in, um, and be there for the first couple of games come July 30th. So a lot has been made. I guess any tidbit of information you get is, uh, you know, is something. And a lot has been made of the pictures of the food that the players sent out on day one. And I like food, and people like to make fun of me for liking food. But I do think that there is something legitimate to when you're locked in your room. You know, it's something, and it can really change your mood. 
How much do you think it's dragging guys down, and how much is it just something to pass the time and tweet out photos about that? I mean, I think it's just something to pass the time, and I think they're having a lot of fun just joking around about the idea that they're, you know, that they're jailed up in their rooms and they're not allowed to leave. And, you know, once they're allowed to get out of the room, I mean, right now they're just having those meals that are delivered to them and provided to them. And to me, it looks like a fine meal. It looks like something that you would get on a, on a flight, which, I mean, for me, I don't have like a ton of like millions of dollars. And so like anytime you give me a free meal, I'm very happy about it. So <laughs> that, that looks great to me. Um, but these guys are going to be able to have, you know, tons of different food options and they're going to have different chefs that are there in the bubble with them. And so it's not going to be like that all the time. That's what they're having with the first couple of days. And those meals will be available to them throughout the whole thing. But they're, they're going to have tons of food and it's going to be a lot better than any of the food that you or I are eating. <laughs> That's probably true. So there's many different ways to go and approach uh, my questioning for you with the Gobert Mitchell, particularly with this latest story that ESPN has done. But I'm going to allow you to go whichever direction you want as far as your response and what your thoughts are. I uh, I think that the ESPN story that came out kind of just reaffirmed what I would have thought before it came out. Um, you know, these are two guys that are really valuable on one team. And I think that in any work environment, even if it wasn't, you know, a professional sport team, that there's going to be tensions and arguments and nothing's ever perfect. And these are things that both Donovan and Rudy have said. And I think it's a little crazy for anyone to expect for them to be like, BFFs and besties and have like rainbows and puppies shooting out of their eyes all the time. Like that's just not how life works. And the fact, I think that Rudy came across as really self-aware in saying that like, Hey, I know that the spotlight's going to be on him more. I know who I am and how I get on guys and how I can grate at their, their uh, frustrations and annoyances and make it worse. And I know that I can be like that. And so I think that self-awareness can only help any relationship between them. And a lot of this situation was probably really overblown because of the situation that the whole world is in. So you've got no basketball, nothing else to talk about. So you hear about a fight between two players, and that's going to be the thing that everybody latches on to. I think that really, like, once basketball is back, this is going to be kind of a blip on the radar. Do you think their relationship really gets uh, altered for better or worse going forward by what kind of results they get in Florida and how long this lasts and whether they go out in four in the first round or whether they find a way to win a series and play well in the second one? Hey, man, winning fixes everything. I mean, that's for all of us. A win in life can make all of your troubles go away for a certain amount of time. So, um, you know, even if there are problem problems that are a little bit bigger or like haven't been resolved right now if they start winning and they look great then that's going to make things feel a lot better if they go down there and they lay a bunch of goose eggs in a row and rudy's feeling like he's not getting the ball and you know donovan feels like rudy's not like setting screens hard enough or anything like that then 
and they are losing and they're losing to teams that they think that they should beat, that's not going to help anything. But that wouldn't help anything even if there wasn't this fight that we know about between them. And so winning fixes everything. Yeah, it sure does. You know, I think that aside from the corona issues and all that stuff, they were going to have to make a decision on what to do with Gobert because that's a huge amount of investment financially that he's due next summer. And I do think that if they had to choose, and they don't necessarily have to, but if they did between the two, I think they're going with Mitchell. Uh, what do you think needs to happen with Gobert as far as his game for the Jazz to say, absolutely, we're going to give you the max next summer? I think to just see him committing to progressing. And so if he, because we saw this season a little bit of a regression and um, that there were moments when he did seem a little bit selfish at times, or there were moments that that he was taking plays off. And so if they can see that there's more of a commitment there, I think that's just going to help their resolve and their want to kind of give him a really big paycheck. Uh, I think that they're going to want to do it anyways. I don't think that there's a ton that could happen that would make them want to get rid of Rudy or to go in the other direction. Uh, It would be really nice, I think, for them if they could get kind of a hometown discount with him and not have to go the full percentage of the Supermax, but um, kind of go a little bit smaller than that. And I mean, we're still talking about a ton of money. Even if the cap number goes down, like we're still talking about, you know, 25, 30% of the entire cap. And I think they would give him that money. I think that they're willing to commit 50% of their cap to both of those players and build around them because they are so good. Sarah Todd joining us. She covers the Utah Jazz and the NBA for the Deseret News. You know, winning is a great deodorant. Totally agree with that. But I'm curious, and this isn't just for jazz management, although they're the team, you know, we watch here, so it's for them. But it's for all the all the manage, management around the league. I wonder how real these wins and losses are going to be. You're not you're not battling travel. You're not you don't have the home court, the, the visiting crowd going nuts or you know buoyed by the home court and are some teams when they feel like they're going to be eliminated going to you know kind of you know fold the cards and throw them in and allow themselves to get smoked where normally they might fight back and so how much if you're evaluating stuff can you really evaluate these NBA games the way you would all the other NBA games we've watched up until now well, man, I feel like that's the kind of stuff that happens in the course of a normal season or right in, heading right into the playoffs when everything is normal. Like, everything except for, you know, it being an empty arena, which is incredibly weird. But that's just another variable that I think that these guys should take and look at it as like, hey, we've got to overcome this. This is really weird. This is like nothing like this has ever happened. We've got guys that are sitting on a second bench behind our rotation guys, and they're wearing masks. And, you know, there's people in the arena that are wearing that. Like, it's going to feel really strange, and I think that that's all something to overcome. In the course of a normal season, you've got guys that are injured or there's distractions during the playoffs, stories are being told. And like, there's always stuff to make you feel weird and things that you have to overcome. And the fact that there probably are going to be teams that are – you know, either eliminated or essentially eliminated from playoff contention within the first few games, especially in the Western Conference with a few teams down way at the bottom. I mean, 
you've got teams that that happens to at the end of the season, too, and they start to throw in the towel and play their reserves more often and rest their veteran guys. And You've got teams that start resting their guys even when they've locked up playoff spots uh, and they're getting ready for the playoffs. So that's stuff that you see in the normal course of a season, and you'll probably see it through the first eight games down there. I don't think that's going to be any different. I think that you know, considering what all of these guys have had to go through and what they'll have to go through to actually get to a championship, I think that it's going to mean a lot to them. So with Bogdanovich out, I think it's going to be a team effort, obviously, to try to replace him. But I think that the heaviest responsibility is going to be on Conley, and he's had an up-and-down season. Do you think he's prepared or ready, or what do you expect to see from him? He better be, because <laughs> yeah. it's about to happen. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be... I think there's going to be a lot of expectations on him, uh, especially considering that, you know, he's had this time off and the kind of the excuse that, you know, he was coming off injury or he hadn't had enough time to really gel with the team. I think that those are kind of gone now and there's not anywhere else that they can go. And like, there's not going to be people around and Bogdanovich, who was the other guy that was new to the team, who seemed to gel with the team really immediately and didn't have a lot of the struggles that Mike had, he's he's gone now too. And so a lot of the focus is going to be on him, but it's also going to allow him to do a little bit more of uh, playmaking and scoring that he was used to in Memphis that he didn't have to do here in Utah, especially with Bogdanovich on the floor. And so hopefully he can kind of return to who he was back in Memphis and he'll be able to do it. He sounds really confident with the work that he did and how he's come along during the shutdown. Um, but he's sounding confident and putting it into practice are two different things. So I think you're right. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him right now. So assuming Conley comes out and plays great, and let's assume that he, you know, 20 points a game and kind of replaces what Bogdanovich was giving him. Well, the fact is he was given about 15 points a game. Who replaces what he was doing? Who steps up? Who else are you looking at? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's going to be totally by committee. You're going to be looking, you know, for Rudy to be a little bit more aggressive in the post. You're going to be looking at Donovan to do a little bit more and play, make and create space for himself. And you'll be looking at kind of those rotation guys, too. You're going to have to have, you know, you've got Joe, and he's going to have to really be a little bit more aggressive. He's one of the guys that, you know, everybody knows like that he passes up shots and that he can definitely be more offensively aggressive. And when you lose a guy that shoots 40% from three and he's a 20-point-a-night guy in Bojan, Ingles is going to have to take some of those shots. And then guys like uh, Jordan Clarkson and George Yang coming off the bench, you know, they're going to be given a little bit of an uptick in minutes too, and they're going to have to be aggressive and you know, George and Joe, they're going to have to use their size on defense and really commit to those things so that they don't have lapses on the other end. So it's it's really going to be by committee, but you have to have guys that are willing to be more aggressive. Well, Sarah, a couple more weeks of writing stories that don't involve games, but, you know, in about three weeks or so, it'll all be back to the new normal, <laughs> whatever that <Yeah>. is. <laughs> whatever that looks like. I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, writing from isolation and watching games on TV. <laughs> Sarah Todd covers the Utah Jazz and the NBA for the D News. Sarah, thanks a lot. No problem. Have a good rest of your day.